0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. How was everyone? Did everyone have a good week? (laughs) So-so? That's okay. That's okay. Let's pray and let's dive into the Word of God this morning. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for the kids that enjoyed uh, their first week of school, the teachers, Lord, that you helped to strengthen as they journeyed through that first week. And the parents as well, Lord, that have also uh, were there helping their kids with homework and things like that. Lord, as we continue to uh, unravel the blessings of this year, of what remains in this year, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be with us, that you will guide us, and Lord, that we enjoy our experiences with you as well. Uh, Lord, as we open up your word right now to study it and apply it, I pray, Lord, that you will be with us and help it to be a positive experience as well thank you lord for hearing us and all this i pray in your precious name jesus amen amen well uh one of the things that i was thinking about this week especially as seeing you know all the kids going back to school and uh just you know getting to know their new classes and things like that i started uh, thinking about milestones right Uh, we all reach milestones in our life no matter uh, what age we are we all you know we're still going through different milestones Uh, experiences that change us and that just help us to grow. Uh, And I see my daughter going through that almost every single day. You know, she's just learning so many different new things. And, you know, recently she just started learning how to pull herself up Uh, on things like she'll hold on to the table and, you know, boxes that we still haven't unpacked, you know, she'll hold on to the edge and she'll just kind of pull herself up, she doesn't know what to do after that, you know, so she'll just kind of stand there and balance a little bit, and I'm there, you know, freaking out a little bit because I'm like, you're going to fall backwards, you're going to hurt yourself, and I'm there trying to encourage her, but at the same time shield her and It's just an amazing experience. Right. And so milestones, you know, are are those things that babies, you know, seem to time goes by so quick. You know, they reach those things and they learn. And before you know it, you know, they're walking and talking and all of these things. And so I remember when I was younger, uh, when I was very little, uh, middle school, elementary school, that that type of around that age, um, I was a very quiet person. Um, many of you might not believe that because, you know, how is it that a quiet person that is quiet goes in to be a preacher and, you know, talks every single week, right? And so, but yeah, that's the truth. When I was little, I didn't say much when I was in school. Uh, you, if you go back and you ask my teachers, I have teachers that for the majority of the year never knew what my voice sounded like because I was that quiet. All right. I only even when they would call upon me, I would I didn't want to say anything. And so. Um, so how is it that, you know, I went from that quiet, shy little boy to now hear a preacher uh, speaking every single week. I've been in different churches and things like that. Uh, I can honestly say it is by the grace of God and the transformation and the growth that and the voice that he gave to me to be able to share. That's why I'm here this morning. And so I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about change, I'm thinking about growth, that it is essential for a believer and a Christian to be okay with growth and change and transformation. Now, when we hear those words, that is not always very comfortable. Uh, Change can sometimes be very uncomfortable. I think back to, again, my daughter. And, you know, you're going to hear a lot of stories about my daughter because that's where I'm at right now. I'm a new parent. All right, I'm learning just as much as she is learning about all these things. Uh, One of the changes that is very uncomfortable for her is teething. And I had never considered how uncomfortable that could be for a baby until I started seeing it with my own eyes. Right? You know, as teeth starts breaking through, she has two on the bottom. She's got one that just broke through uh, this week and and she has these changes that she goes through she, you know fevers and coughs and you know all the saliva and all of that stuff all of that is part of the process of just growing new teeth and i was thinking about that and i was like oh my goodness she just has 3 she still has like what like 15 18 more to go <laughs> you know i'm like okay so this is for the long haul type of thing but um, so i think about all of that and so that's part of change it's a little bit uncomfortable and sometimes out of fear of that discomfort we resist change we resist growth and we don't want to take those steps because it might hurt it might feel uncomfortable it might be painful but i want to share with you this morning that the lord in his infinite grace and mercy is encouraging us to change and transform and i want to and i want to take you guys through the journey of his disciples because nowhere else do we see that type of change happen when we see that the growth that his disciples went through he took this group of just nobodies. And he made them pillars of a worldwide movement. And that is amazing. That is something that only the grace of God can do. So I want, to turn, I want you guys to turn your Bibles with me. We're going to be in two books today. We're going to start in the book of Matthew. And then we're going to go through the book of John as well, in different uh, areas of John as well. So go to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. All right, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 19 through 20. I will give you a few few moments to find uh, that verse. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. And amen amen once you have found it. Amen. Amen. Okay, listen to what the Word of God says. It says, Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen? Praise the Lord. So one of the first things that we have to realize when we enter this conversation of change and growth and discipleship, right? We have to realize that sooner or later... Every believer has to come and face this verse. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer, if you've been 20 years in the church, 40, 50 years in the church. Sooner or later, you have to reconcile the fact that when you come to the end of the book of Matthew, the Lord has left everyone a mission to accomplish. And that mission is to go out and make disciples of all nations. So whether you're just starting out and you're just, oh, I'm just learning about the doctrine, just learning about different things, just learning, you know, what it means to pray and things like that. Sooner or later, the Lord is going to ask you to share what you have learned and make a disciple for God's kingdom. And if you've been 30, 40, 50 years in the church and haven't made a disciple yet, sooner or later, the Lord is going to ask you as well to share your experience and make a disciple because the purpose of a Christian, the purpose of why we are all here is to make disciples for God's glory and kingdom. That is what we are meant to do. If we are not in, the, if we are not making disciples, then we are not exactly completing or are fulfilling what all that the, all that the Lord has asked us to do. So mission is definitely a big part of why we are here. And it's this, not it's in these verses That we find one of our purposes that the Lord has given to us to make disciples and have those disciples make more disciples and then have their disciples go forth and make even more disciples. Now, this is something uh, I'm very well aware that discipleship is a journey of a lifetime. It is not something that just happens in an instant. Right. Imagine if we could do that. Right. Create new disciples in an instant. Right. That would be amazing. Uh, one of the things that we realized—well, uh, oh, we didn't bring it with us because it was connected to our previous house—but our microwave. So right now we don't have a microwave, and so we realized that. And we went to the store and we were like, you know, should we even try to get a microwave? You know, you know, one of the concerns, you know, radiation and things like that. we were like, I wonder if we could get by without a microwave. And so it was. Very, so we decided to, you know, journey into that. You know, we're not going to have a microwave. We'll, let's see how it goes. We have an air fryer, you know, maybe we can use that, you know, you have the stove and stuff like that. And so pretty soon I was Googling how to warm up something on the stove. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you get so used to the microwave and in your mind you're like, oh yeah, I could just pop it in the microwave a minute and it's done. Imagine if you can make Christians like that, right? Just pop them in the microwave, you know, a minute for, for a director of worship, uh, two minutes for a new elder, right? You just pop them in the microwave and out they come. You know, all ready and all set, all brand new, shiny and, you know, just ready to fulfill the mission, But it's not like that. You know, we all go through a journey of growth and change and transformation. Sometimes I I think, you know, we like to think that we say the same, but in reality, we're always changing. We're always kind of, you know, adapting to our environment, adapting to new things. And so the disciples that we find in the Bible, the disciples that we find walking and working with Jesus, we find that they also went through a process of growth and change and transformation, And it is that and and that is what I want to share with you all this morning, because as we as we begin to see the journey of the disciples, we begin to see that Jesus found them at one point and decided to take them through a process of change and growth. To ultimately, if we find them in the later pages of, of the New Testament, you know, preaching in different areas, you know, growing different churches, baptizing different people. Very different from the men that we found at the very beginning of their journey with Jesus. So I want you to, to journey with me. We're going to be sharing the four challenges of discipleship. And we find the first one is in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. The first challenge that Jesus has for his disciples is the challenge of come and see. And it is in this challenge that we see the seeking Christian, the Christian that is looking for something, right? So John chapter 1 verses 35 through 39 says this, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples, his disciples, heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. So here we take note, the first few disciples that Jesus began to invite. And they came and started, and and it's kind of, a if if you start to think about it, it's a little bit uh, kind of funny to think about it. Because you see that they were journeying with John the Baptist. And then all of a sudden they see Jesus, and John points him out and says, Behold, that is the Lamb of God, and Jesus just keeps walking. And so then they leave John the Baptist, and they go follow after Jesus. They hadn't said anything, they're just following him. So if you can think about it, you know, in in your mind's eye, just kind of picture Jesus walking, and you see two disciples just following after him right behind, right? And then all of a sudden, Jesus, maybe he senses that they're following after him. And so he turns to them and says, what is it that you're looking for? These first disciples were in a state of looking. They were in a state of searching. They were seeking after the Lamb of God, the Messiah, that would come and and teach them things. And so they see that they found that in in Jesus because John points him out. And so say, where is it that you're staying, teacher? And so they start following after the Lord. Many of us can maybe remember or recall when we were like those disciples, searching for something, seeking after the Messiah, seeking after a Savior. Maybe we didn't even know we were looking for him until we found him. But all of us at one point or another were in a point where we were looking and searching for something in our lives, searching for that purpose, searching for that Jesus to be with us. And once we do find him, we find that we become new creations in Christ Jesus. Right? Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Right? They become a little bit more open to change and transformation. They become open to the change that Jesus wants to uh, happen, have happen in their lives. Now, in the Greek, the word that was translated as come, because that's what Jesus says, come and see, right? That word translated, that is translated as come simply means to appear or be present. So what Jesus was asking for those disciples was simply be present next to me as, I, as you see me do all of these things that I'm about to do. Just be near, just be close. The early disciples didn't have a very strong commitment to Jesus. They had just heard about him. They had just started learning about him. But they followed after him to see the things that he was inviting them to see. And they wanted to see what Jesus would do. And so Jesus wants us to go where he is. He wants to show us things. He wants to teach us things. And he wants us to experience ministry and mission alongside him. And in our journey of discipleship, in our journey with the Lord, he's going to give us opportunities to get to know him a little bit better. And so once they saw and they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, then they were able to move into the next challenge that Jesus had for them. Challenge number two is the follow me. The new believer becomes or the new Christian becomes a believer. If we go down to verse 43 of John chapter 1, it says the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to Philip, follow me, right? The next challenge, the next invitation uh, happens in different ways, right? We see it in, in, in different words, you know, as in the New Testament. But the heart of the matter is that is the same. Follow me is the next phase or the next invitation that Jesus has for us. First. Come and see. Come and see what, what I'm all about. Come and see what, I, what I'm about to do here in this community, in this world. And the next thing is, follow me. He invites us a little bit closer into a closer walk with him. And he invites us to learn from him. The word used to follow in the Greek is the word akolutheo. And it's a word that means follow in my steps. So where I go, you are right there, right behind me, right? One of the most beautiful things that I've, I've learned to see uh, as a new parent is see how my daughter follows after me uh, all o- every, everywhere that I go. If I'm, if I'm in the kitchen and I walk towards the kitchen, there she is. And, but she doesn't kind of like deviate, right? She doesn't choose her own path. She follows right behind me, right in my footsteps, in the same places that I just walked. That's where she's crawling right behind me. That is the kind of intimacy that Jesus now invites us to follow after him. He says, follow me. And in my footsteps, I want you to be right behind me. Do as I do. Learn as, uh, learn as I teach and just journey with me and do exactly the things that I'm about to do. Now, the unfortunate thing is that once we start to follow after Jesus, there are many Christians that think the journey of discipleship ends right there. Okay, I have, I have seen, you know, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I have decided to follow after him. And they think that that's where the journey ends. And they think, you know, and they kind of stay in a state of always kind of just following after him, always kind of learning. In Sabbath school today, we talked about, you know, the difference between uh, knowing about Jesus and, and actually walking with Jesus. And the difference is that relationship that we have with him. There are so many Christians that know a lot about Jesus. But they don't know Jesus personally because they stopped journeying with him in discipleship. All right. Now, Jesus wants to challenge us today. And he says, you know what? It doesn't stop there. After I invite you to follow after me, there's more that we can do. There's more that I want to show you. Right. And that is where challenge number three comes in. The disciple as a worker. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, we find the following word. It says, While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Challenge number three is a little bit more intense. It is now the challenge of becoming fishers of men. The disciple as a worker for the Lord. The disciples we come across in these verses, it's not the first time that they had heard of Jesus or see, even seen what he could do. They had gone through the first couple of, uh, of challenges and, and they had seen what, what he was about. They had decided to follow after him. But on this occasion, something had to change. Jesus comes after them and he tells them one more time, follow me. But the difference in this occasion is that now he calls them to a purpose. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The challenge that the Lord enters into with these disciples is a little bit more intentional in their relationship. Notice that he says, I will make you fishers of men. Because this is now a work that Jesus is about to do in their life. He's about to transform their entire perspective on life. And he's about to envelop even more time, invest even more time into them. And they're going to be changed for the rest of their lives. Now notice he uses what they already knew to uh to transform them you know these disciples they were fishers uh they they knew they were fishermen they knew what all, what that work was what that trade was mending nets fishing they knew the best places to fish they knew the best times to fish they knew all of those things and now jesus was about to repurpose their talents and instead of being uh you know fishing even more fish he was going to teach them to make more disciples for jesus and I praise the Lord the way that he can use our gifts and talents that we have today. And the Lord can repurpose those gifts and talents and use it for his honor, his glory, and for his kingdom. Some of us might say, well, I'm just a painter. I don't know how Jesus can use that. I'm just, uh, I'm just a construction worker. I don't know if God wants to use that. I'm just a, uh, an office worker. I don't know how God can use that. Well, this is what I like to do. I don't know how God can use that. Believe me when I tell you that the Lord can use our gifts and talents, repurpose them, and He can now use us to be and make more disciples. Amen? Amen. So it doesn't matter what it is that you can do today, no matter how small you think your gift might be, in the hands of the Lord, there is no gift that is too small. There is no gift that cannot be used to multiply and be used to bless someone else and make another disciple. I remember one day I was in church when I was in uh, undergrad at Southern Adventist University. And I remember there was a preacher that came uh, to, to preach. And he, um, he set up a canvas right you know, in front of the, at the pulpit, right next to him. And as he, was, as he began to preach, as he began to unravel his sermon, uh, he started painting at the same time. And the the, the the weird thing about this painting was, though, and I'll never forget, was that the painting didn't make sense. You know, he was preaching about uh, like, okay, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And a lot of us, you kind of get the feeling in the room. A lot of us were like, okay, you know, give him some time. Maybe it doesn't make sense to us right now, but let's, maybe it'll start to to happen and kind of, you know, take shape. But we got to minute number 30 and that painting still made no sense. We had no idea what he was painting, and so, minute number 40, he's wrapping up his sermon, uh, and, and we're like, okay, you know, he's wrapping up. We still don't understand what the painting is. Like, what is it that he's painting? A lot of us thought, you know, we're going to have to go up and ask him, and we're going to have to, you know, be a little bit embarrassed and say, hey, you know, what what is that? <laughs> you know, I don't know if many of you have, you know, like, uh, older kids, and so when they paint something, and they bring it to you, and you have no idea what it is, and you kind of have to pretend like, oh, wow, that's amazing, that's a nice... Elephants? Dog? And they're like, Dad, it's you. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for that, right? What he did, after, as he finished up his sermon, he took that canvas, as it was all done, and he flipped it upside down. And that's when the picture took shape. It was Jesus on the cross with a crown of thorns. And we're like, wow, that's when it made sense. We had no idea, because the whole time, he was painting upside down. And that was amazing, because I cannot do that. Right. And I'm sure at one point in his life, he was like, when he discovered that, you know, he's like, oh, wow, I can make I can pay things upside down. I'm sure he came to the to the conclusion, like there is no way that God is going to be able to use that gift. But there he was. And it was one of the most impressive, most uh, sermons that I had ever heard because of that example. He used his gift and he allowed God to use his gift. To teach other people. And that's exactly what the Lord wants to do with us. And that's what he did with the disciples. He made them fishers of men. He used what they had already known. He repurposed their gifts and talents. And now they were going to work for him. And the spirit of Lord prepared them for mission. And we see that they take this transformation to the ends of, of, of the earth. Right? You know, we're part of this worldwide movement because of what the disciples allowed the Lord to do in their lives. Come and I will make you fishers of men. That is the third challenge that the Lord has for us. First, it's come and see. Just come and see what I'm all about. Then he asks us to follow after him. But then he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The final challenge that the Lord has for us in our journey of discipleship is one that we read in John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. I want to read these verses. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the world that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Unpacking this a little bit, we have to notice that Jesus calls them, he doesn't call them anymore uh, disciples or servants. He calls them friends. During the entire book of John, we see Jesus drawing his disciples closer and closer to himself. And at first, you know, they might be just acquaintances, and then they become, you know, people that are just searching. But then they become disciples, and then he he calls them servants, and then they work alongside him. And then finally they get to this point in their relationship where they are his friends. They are his friends. And And it is so intimate, it is so special to realize that the Lord wants to take us from, you know, kind of being strangers to then being his friends. All right, in the same way that my father has sent me, I am now sending you. And the reason that Jesus, you know, he he wants, the reason he has them come so close to him is because he needs them to understand and accept the same mission that he has done. He needs them to, to finally get it that what he did for them, they are supposed to do for other people as well. The way that he drew them closer, the way that he taught them, the way that he developed relationship and friendship with them is the same thing that he wants us to do with everyone else. All right? he could, there were so many areas that the Lord could have started when he met those disciples. All right? you, know, you had some of them that were nicknamed right, right, the Sons of Thunder because of their personality and their character, strong characters. He could have started right off the bat judging them for how they were in that moment. But he didn't do that, even though he had every right to do that. He decided to start with simply, come and see what I'm all about. And as he journeyed with them, as he walked with them, their character began to change into more of what he was like. And they began to be a lot more like Jesus. And that is what we are supposed to do as well. That is what God calls us to do as well. Draw people by relationship and friendship and grace and love. And as they journey with us, the Lord will wreck a change in their lives that they will never be the same. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 reminds us that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are very few people who have actually made it to this stage or challenge of relationship with the Lord. Like I said before, many people stay in that follow-me phase. And, and, and they, may, they may go years, and they have never given a Bible study. They have never made a disciple for God's kingdom. And they could be in that place for years, but that is not where the Lord wants to leave us. He wants us to make disciples, and he wants us to bless other people with what he has taught us. Now, I want us to be very careful because many of us hearing these words might all of a sudden think, oh, the Lord wants me to make disciples. And that is true. He does want us to make disciples. But that is not exactly the whole point of what relationship with Jesus is about. Right. Um, I remember someone once gave me the description that uh, working here in America. uh, Well, let me let me first preface it with this. I remember one time when I journeyed uh, to Belize. Uh, For those of you that don't know, my family is from Belize. That's where they grew up. That's where my mom was raised. My dad was raised as well. Uh, They're from Belize. Right. I was born in Chicago, raised in Texas. Uh, So I know more here than I do there. But I did get a chance to go visit. And I remember thinking the pace of life here is so much different than it is in the United States. United States, everyone is always rushing somewhere. You know, there's always like, you know, you're always going from point A to point B. You're always in a rush. You can never, uh, you know, as the saying goes, you can never really stop and smell the roses. Because you're always doing something. And you always have to be doing something. The moment that you stop is the moment that problems start happening. You know, if you stop working for even a little bit, problems with the the bills don't stop. Right. You know, I remember uh, my wife um, had a surgery uh, when she had surgery a few months ago, gallbladder removal and stuff like that. I remember that uh, I was like, you know, what, we need a little bit of a break. You can't tell the bills you need a little bit of a break. They keep coming. (laughs) Right. And and that's how it is here. You know, if you stop, you know, the, the demands and responsibilities are still there. You have to keep going. And a lot of us are in that mentality, and we bring that into our relationship with Jesus, and we think, the Lord just wants me to produce, 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 work for him, work for him, work for him. But it's not about that. And I remember, I want to reread what it says in John chapter 15. It says, verses 4 through 5 is the key to what all of this is about, what, everything that he's saying. It says, "...abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself." "...unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me... You can do how much? You can do nothing. A lot of us can get stuck in that mentality of like... And we might even confuse our roles. We might start thinking that we are the vines. And that we are going to start bearing much fruit, right? But the Bible says the Lord is the vine. And as we stay connected to him, as we abide in him, that is what determines how many disciples we make. The moment that we disconnect from the vine, we cease to be productive. We cease to make disciples. It is only as we remain connected to him, the true vine, that we can bear much fruit and that we can make other disciples. The moment that we think we can do it on our own, that's the moment we start thinking that we can change people ourselves. That's the moment when we start kind of... I remember—I can't remember who it was that said it in South School today, but it was we start focusing more on behavior modification instead of introducing them to Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit that we bear in this world and in our communities is directly related to how connected we are in our relationship with Jesus. The moment that we disconnect from Him... We can't do anything apart from me. You can do nothing. So the invitation for us this morning is simply a call to abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ to come and see. It's okay to be searching. It's okay to be looking, but come and see what the Lord is all about and then take up the next challenge. Follow me. He says. And follow after him. Continue to see what he's all about. But then take up the next challenge. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Use your God-given talents for His honor and glory. No matter how small that may be, I even I, I can't tell you how many times uh, how many churches are in desperate need of simply people that are friendly, right? People that are friendly at the very the first person that they meet as soon as they enter the church. Uh, they just someone that will just greet them with a smile and just say hi. How are you? It is good that you are here Thank you for coming to worship with us There are some churches that visitors will simply walk in and not a single person will say anything to them It is a that is a gift to be able to greet someone in the way that Jesus would greet them That is a gift and it is sorely needed in churches So it doesn't matter how small you might think right? God can use that gift for his honor and glory And the whole purpose is for us to abide in him and continue to have a relationship with him. And as we relationship with him, as we journey with him, we will continue to make more and more disciples. So don't focus on the fact of, I have to produce. Focus on, this week, I want to abide in my relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything else will follow afterwards. I promise you. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for just being the true vine. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us invitation to journey with you in discipleship. Thank you, Lord, that in your grace and mercy you see... Imperfect humans, your imperfect sons and daughters, and instead of seeing our imperfections, you see people that can be pillars of faith in this community. You see people that can be molded by you into agents of transformation, agents of grace for the world that desperately needs to get to know you more. Thank you so much for taking us from where we once were and transforming us into the sons and daughters that you want us to be. Lord, in this journey of discipleship, help us to continue and to always abide in relationship with you. If it's been a while, Lord, since we've spoken, if it's if it's taken us some time to maybe we have gone caught in that uh, of, of just wanting to work for you and we're, we're in that place of we just want to produce for you and, and we forget to cultivate that relationship and friendship with you, Lord. Help us right now from this day forward to come back to your presence and come back into a friendship and relationship with you. And allow us, Lord, to let you work in us and transform and make other disciples Thank you, God, for hearing us this morning. Thank you for being with us and for blessing our church uh, this morning. This I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.